0: Hey guys, David the editor coming in here super, super quickly before you start the episode. Uh, we just had a moment uh, about 35 minutes into the recording where some AC popped down, got a little loud for about five or so minutes. Sorry about that. Usually we try to just stay in nice, hot, uncomfortable environments when trying to record this. And, you know, it just got flipped out for a little bit. You can click skip if you don't want to deal with it. But uh, yeah, I'm going to get out because you don't want to hear about Editor David. You want to listen to the episode? Goodbye. So Amanda, I think we should start off this recording with you trying to replicate Robert Patterson's accent.
1: Absolutely not. No.
0: (laughs) Come on, just give it a shot.
1: No, absolutely.
0: If I do it a shot, will you do a shot? Uh, uh,
1: No, because I can't commit to that. Ma,
0: what are these these livers doing here? (laughs) What? Who brought these livers?
1: How's that? I think you just wanted to... Give it a shot. Shh, shh, shh. <laughs> I think you've been working on this for a while.
0: <laughs> I gotta shoot my shot sometime.
1: That's true. You gotta take your shot while you How have else it.
0: am I gonna get into Hollywood without this mm-hmm.
1: podcast? <laughs> oh, is that the plan?
0: <laughs> yes, that was the plan. That's been the plan oh, the whole time. Okay. Yeah, sorry oh, to let no. you in on my plan this late.
1: Yeah, I wish I would have known that from the beginning because I could have told you that's a... That's a doozy. Why are you shooting (laughs) me down? (laughs) Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Maybe I can be convinced. Do that accent one more time. Why? Who brought these chicken livers? All right, yeah, you're going to make it. You're good. Good, 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 (laughs) good.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to Adapted for Your Viewing, my name is David and I watch too many movies.
1: And my name is Amanda and I read too many books. We are brother and sister and this is our podcast for nerds where we talk too much about movies and the books they're based on and tell you which one is worth consuming.
0: And today we will be talking about the devil all the time, including the 2011 gothic crime novel by Donald Ray Pollock and the 2020 Netflix movie directed by Antonio Campos.
1: This was your daddy's. Brought back from the war. I figure it's time to pass it on. It's the best present I ever got. Thank you. So, real quick, we're going to give you a brief summary on the story. The Devil of the Time follows the lives of a group of characters whose lives unfold uh, post World War II, uh, including a disturbed war veteran and his son, Arvin a husband and a wife who are serial killers, and a couple of preachers who pass in and out of the small town of Nokomstiff. Uh So it's set uh, between West Virginia and Southern Ohio uh, in kind of a rural area. And that's kind of the – it's hard to go into anything else without diving into spoilers, but it's basically about how these different characters' lives interact and affect each other. mm mm-hmm. Uh, So, David, do you have any experience with this story before we dove into it? Not at
0: all. I was on Reddit one day and the trailer for this movie came out and it looked amazing. And I Mm -hmm. texted it to you and I said, Amanda, we are doing this for the podcast because it had a ton of A-list actors. I found Mm -hmm. out it was based on a book and I was like, perfect podcast content. We have to do this.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure you texted me the trailer like 10 minutes after I had watched the trailer, so mm-hmm. it was like perfect timing.
0: Have you even heard of this author or anything about this story before we started?
1: No, I know that he has like kind of a cult following around his work, mm-hmm. uh, but this book was actually his first novel that he published. Uh, so Donald Ray Pollock is... Uh, grew up in Knockhamstiff, Ohio, mm-hmm. which is one of the settings for this book. And he worked at the Mead Paper Mill until the age of 50. And then after that, published a series of short stories based on his life, uh, living up in, like, the small local area, uh, and then turned around and published The Devil All the Time. And so it's it's weird to think about, but he says it's based on some of his real-life experiences um, I think there's like a handful of them, but not like some of the really horrible ones. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as I heard that, I was like, "Oh, oh <laughs> hell, this <laughs> Yeah, but it's being referred to as a Southern Gothic, which is kind of like a small niche genre. Um, and I don't know if you've seen it. Did you see the the video that Lessons from a Screenplay did, talking to the producer? I did not. It's actually really, really good, and they talk specifically about the Southern Gothic genre and uh, kind of the choices they made because of it. So I super recommend you watch. I think you'd find it a really interesting one.
0: Yeah, I've been noticing that that Southern Gothic genre has become a little bit more popular, and maybe I've just noticed it more because I recently played this year the video game Kentucky Route Zero, which kind of played on like some themes uh, that this book has as well, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's really good. I tried to get you to spooky? play it, and you refused. You absolutely refused.
1: <laughs> I did because I watched the trailer, and it like usually video game trailers are like, "This is what the gameplay looks like. This is what you'll be doing." And this one was just like a PowerPoint presentation where it was just like different images, and it was just like a dog, a gas station, this factory. A truck. I'm like, I don't care about any of these
0: things. (laughs) To be fair, there isn't much gameplay to show, which isn't exactly a resounding (laughs) recommendation coming from my
1: mouth. (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't super sound like (laughs) something I'm going to be playing anytime soon.
0: Uh, Also, Stiff is an amazing town name.
1: It's a... I could not believe it was a real name. I thought he had made it up. I thought he
0: made it up, too, until I looked it up on Google and saw it was a real thing. That's just crazy
1: to me. It's a real thing. Isn't that funny? Uh,
0: But let's get uh, to movie facts, then. Um, Yeah. So, you know, just like book facts, there's not as many facts on this movie. So there's a couple things I thought were were pretty interesting. Uh, So first is that that it's actually shot on 35mm film. Now... People may not know, but most Netflix content is not shot on actual film. I mean, most people don't shoot Mm. on film in general these days, but especially for like movies in Hollywood, a lot of films still use 35 millimeter, but Netflix movies are required to be 4K. So a lot of TV shows and movies do not use 35 millimeter. So this I just thought that was really interesting. I love that
1: is interesting movies that do are you know shot why in they film. chose to do that
0: uh, probably to keep with the aesthetic of the movie, uh, I think mm-hmm. it goes for a certain film or feel with its setting that I mm-hmm. think displays itself well on film. And also I'll go into some more thoughts and Uh, later when we talk in the movie of like the type of directors i think they were trying to replicate and Mm -hmm. why they use 35 millimeter film based on that okay uh but pretty interesting shot on film uh another thing you probably heard us earlier already making fun of robert Panson's accent uh ends up he did not choose to work with a dialect coach uh, because he wanted to craft his own accent. He didn't even show any of the actors or direct the director his accent until day one of filming, which is such yeah, that's crazy. a wild move. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> it makes him sound like such a turd to work with.
0: <laughs> it does. Like, what if he got on set and, like, Campos was just like, "That's garbage." Let's pause production <laughs> for the next couple weeks so we can actually get you to Do sound something like a human else. B. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and you know what? Didn't
1: really turn out that great. I'll be honest. <laughs> I this may be a controversial, but I didn't hate it. I didn't think it was. It was. It was surprising, but he did sound southern to me. So. <laughs>
0: That's a pretty low bar there. That's a pretty low bar. Yes, <laughs> he it sounded is. Southern. That's true. <laughs> he did. I thought the accents were okay. <laughs> Enough about accents. Why don't we just jump into the actual story? So, Yeah. Um, Amanda, what did you think about the story of The Devil All the Time?
1: Okay. So I read, so we watched the trailer and we were like, hype, I'm ready for this. So righty. What I thought it was going to be was a story between Robert Pattinson's character, who is like a shady preacher, and Tom Holland's character, who's like this kid who's seen some things and he's like weeding out his lies or unraveling a mystery or something like that. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, it's a little bit of that. But then there's like all this other stuff in there, too. So we I usually read the book first. So I read the book first. And I finished it and it was a huge bummer, (laughs) like a huge bummer, like immediately regretted reading it just because of the, the times that we live in right now, I really don't need another huge bummer, if I'm honest. Yeah, it's a tough
0: book and story to go through. Beca- mm-hmm. Specifically, because of what we're living through right now, things are things are already pretty dark, guys. <laughs> things are already pretty dark. So, like right yeah, up the gate, I don't- <laughs> if you don't want a, a, like a dark story or sort of a bummer, this is probably maybe maybe shelve this for a little bit and come back to it later.
1: Yeah, I think there's some interesting things. Like the Southern Gothic is an interesting. Genre to me where it's like a play in horror, but it deals a lot with like Southern culture and its history and uh, latent racism and um, like Christianity and like the ways that the church has influenced a lot of different things. And so there's a lot of interesting themes in there. It's just, I don't want a story... Right now, in this particular moment, about horrible people being horrible, and then the end, you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think for me, like, I I was able to kind of separate myself a little bit more. And the thing I kept coming back to uh, that drew me into this story, because even though it's dark... Even though it's Mm kind of crazy at at times and the characters, surprise, surprise, none of them are very likable.
1: (laughs) No, Uh, almost none
0: of them. What kept bringing me back to this story is like, are those themes you mentioned in the cyclical brutalism that is constantly Mm -hmm. being brought out into the story? Like there's just so much imagery and character traits that are constantly repeated that feels like you're stuck in a time loop in these small towns where these problems Mm -hmm. are different, but they're still kind of the same. And so I think, you know, it was a bummer of a story, but I think it did its job at making me feel what it was like to live in this kind of Um, cynical, southern, or not even southern, because a lot of these are just Midwest, but in this type of small town Uh, atmosphere.
1: Yeah, I would say. I mean, it's like southern Ohio um, and West Virginia, so I would say that's pretty close to the south. It's getting down there.
0: It's getting down there.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know about you, but anytime you pass halfway through Illinois, it suddenly feels like you're in the south. So That's a fair point. That's a fair point. (laughs) Um, But I do think that... It was easier for me to root for people in the movie than it was in the book. And I think it's because in the book you get – it's told from an omniscient narrative. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you dip into everyone's head and you hear (laughs) all their horrible thoughts all the time, Mm -hmm. whereas in – uh, the movie is just visual storytelling. There is a narrator who is the author of the book, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, there is a narrator, but it's not as it's not as like prevalent. It's not um, you aren't dipping into their heads and hearing their horrible thoughts, and you know the camera cuts away from some of the violence and stuff like that. So it's a little bit easier to stomach. And it was a lot easier for me to root for Tom Holland than it was just arvin from the book does that make sense
0: yes i think the only thing i would push back with you on is you know the book is really tough to get through but i found that like pollock's writing and sense of voice and setting yeah is the thing that kept me coming back to it because yeah, it's very good I think his type of writing is just something that I could read for a long time. It's mm-hmm. it's very dry. It's character driven. And even though a lot of it is just the internal character voices, he has a way of, um, what am I trying to say?
1: Is it like you can tell, like each character? Well, I would agree with that because I think this is a large cast of characters. And a lot of times when you're in a story with a large cast of characters, they can disappear. I remember every single main character from this. Um which is definitely credited to his writing, uh, because it'd be very easy for all these like dudes to just kind of mesh together. But I remember every single one, every single character very distinctly. You yeah, know what I mean,
0: all of his characters are interesting, and the best compliment mm-hmm. I could give is that it doesn't feel crowded. despite it mm-hmm. spanning multiple decades and having a huge cast of characters, the book yeah. never felt crowded or like someone wasn't given their uh, proper time to go through the story. Um, mm-hmm. It's a very slow moving novel at times. And I don't know. I enjoyed the pacing and his uh, and his writing style a lot.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but like I said, it's it's a lot of horrible people doing a lot of horrible things <laughs> and <laughs> and it's hard to like find who you're rooting for. Um, and kind of like what change is happening in Mm -hmm. the story. And I think, like you said, like part of that is the theme that they're playing with that like this cyclical violence and feeling trapped in a small town and not being able to escape it. Um, but at the same time, it's a bummer.
0: Yeah, you (laughs) definitely, it's
1: a big old bummer. (laughs) You just need to know
0: that going into it. Now you really need to know that. Yeah. Now, I want to go on to the movie and talk about one thing that you mentioned, but I think absolutely ruined the movie for me, okay? Okay. Because I'm going to be straight with you. I do not like this movie at all. (gasps)
1: Really? Yes.
0: I don't just uh, dislike it. I am, at times, offended by this movie, okay? Okay. And it comes down to (laughs) one choice that they made that I actually absolutely despise, and that is the Mm -hmm. use of Pollock's narration in the film, okay? Because they are breaking, like, the first rule in film – where you're Mm -hmm. supposed to show and not tell. And all they do with Pollock's narration is tell. Sometimes he is even telling what is happening on screen. So, for example, um, there is a part of the film where a character gets revenge on a couple of guys, okay? Mm -hmm. And it is Mm -hmm. probably one of the best parts of the film, and I really loved that part. yeah, agreed. Mm -hmm. Then the narration comes in, And literally says what the character is feeling while that scene is playing out. And you do not need that, okay? It is almost treating the audience like they're dumb. Like they can't figure out that this character who is beating up on a bunch of fools is angry.
1: (laughs) And so, ah, like, it got so... I don't know if I agree with that. Tell me why. I didn't mind the narration that much because I think the visual storytelling was there and I think it gave the film a, a warmth that was a little bit needed. Because if I was just watching this, a bunch of horrible things happening on screen without, like, somebody there with... It made me feel like somebody was there with me with during the movie. And so usually I actually... Like, it started off with narration, and I was like, if this narration doesn't last the whole movie, I'm going to be pissed. Like, if this isn't something they're actually going to use, I'm going to be pissed that they opened this movie that way. But then they used it throughout the, the entire movie, and so I was kind of okay with it. So what else do you think it added besides
0: warmth? Because I'll be honest, I didn't feel any of that warmth. Uh, Because often, did like the guy
1: has like a a southern drawl. He's it's the author. He's from the area, so it feels like he's telling you a story from his hometown from when he was a kid. Um, okay, now it just feels like we're back into
0: last week and it's Princess Bride. And at any given time, we're going <laughs> to zoom out and there's going to be Pollock reading this to a child who's <laughs> shivering under his covers because his uncle told him a terrifying story before he no, went that, to bed. No, that would be horrible. That'd be too horrible. <laughs> there is at one b- the, the point at the film where I actually threw up my hands and almost walked away, and instead I just finished it, because I only had two minutes left of the film, is at the end, uh, there is a character who says something, and then Pollock says, he said, okay? Like, he just comes out <laughs> and says, he said, after the character said it, as if I'm reading a book. And I I disagree with the choice. And I think here's, here's why I really don't like it i think the pacing of this is very strange at times Mm -hmm. and i Mm -hmm. think it wants to rush through a lot of character stories because there's so many i think that this story would have best been served in something like a three or four episode mini series because well i agree with that yeah it just it didn't take the time to breathe it wanted to be uh, no country for old men. That's what it mm-hmm. wanted to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a little bit.
0: They were going for the. There's so many shots that reminded me of like Coen Brothers type of filmmaking, but I think because they didn't ha- they didn't have a single character that made you laugh. They didn't mm-hmm. have any break in the story, and they mm-hmm. were just rushing from one thing to another. Mm-hmm. I just, by the end of this, even though the performances were good, I just I just think it was. Sloppily put together from a screenplay perspective.
1: I don't think so. I liked it. I liked the movie. um I didn't like the book as much, but I really enjoyed watching the movie. And I don't know if that has anything. Did you? How did you consume it? Did you do book first and then movie, or I did opposite? do big
0: book first then movie. Yes.
1: I think part of it was maybe I was like relieved that it wasn't as brutal as I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. So I enjoyed it a little bit more. I didn't mind the pacing because honestly, I felt like the narration helped me jump from one time period to the next. And I do remember the part where you're talking about where the narrator bumps in and like says he said, and I'm like, well, that's a weird choice.
0: (laughs) It was a really weird choice.
1: But I didn't hate it. Didn't ruin the movie for me. It di- it didn't make me hate it. Like I said, it it brought some much needed warmth. I feel like to the movie. Yeah, I think if
0: they could have split this up and gotten rid of the narration, because like mm-hmm. even though I dislike the narration, I do understand why it's in there. Because without it, there are certain story beats that you would miss. But yeah, because I'm not,
1: so much of it is internal.
0: Yeah, I'm not so mad about the story beats. I'm more mad about the narration telling me about how a character feels. I think mm-hmm. that is a cardinal sin-, sin in filmmaking. If you have to have your narrator come in and tell you how a character is feeling at that moment, you did not do something from a filmmaking perspective or a screenplay perspective um, to get the audience to feel that emotion it it felt as bad I know you won't get this reference but it felt as bad as the initial cut of Blade Runner with Harrison Ford narrating the entire movie that's how I felt like going through
1: I don't think it was as bad because I think that um I I mean I I liked it when the narrator was helping introduce all the characters I thought that was great um and I think Yeah, they probably could have changed how they used his narration throughout the rest of the story, just to like help us do time jumps and like move in different locations, maybe. Um, But I think some of the parts like especially in the beginning where we're meeting all the characters, and we have the voiceover. I like those parts. I think they're pretty good.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, but I can see why it would ruin it for you.
0: Are there any other parts of the movie you want to mention?
1: uh not non spoiler parts so we can we can jump into <laughs> this is spoilers. probably
0: i never would have thought the devil all the time would be the one we most disagree about
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you're picky about how your stories are told in movies and so that makes sense i think for me
0: the movie tried so hard to replicate pieces of content that i really enjoy uh you know the It helps that, like, Pollock reminds me of Cormac McCarthy, who is one of my favorite Mm -hmm. authors. And then these filmmakers wanted to do, like, this slow-moving Southern Gothic. And I just feel like they nailed the setting. And because of that, I wanted them to nail the story. And I just feel like they didn't.
1: Yeah, I think it's a it has to do with your expectations because I think because this came out for Netflix, my I still have like an expectation of like straight to video movies being like all right. <laughs> So I wasn't expecting this to be as good as it was. I think it was a little bit better than I expected. Oh, in
0: the year 2020, you have to change that, Amanda, because we're not going to the movies. I know.
1: <laughs> I know. I miss it.
0: You're not going to the movies. This is what we got. We have Netflix. This is it now.
1: I know. Basically, like all of our <laughs> new adaptations are going to be straight from Netflix, guys.
0: <laughs> yeah. Actually, all looking looking at some future episodes, it's like just Netflix. So basically, just, just Netflix, be prepared yeah. for that. Yeah. Uh, so, Amanda, would mm-hmm. you recommend people watching this movie?
1: Um, I think, yeah, I think it's I think you have to be prepared for what kind of movie it's going to be, that it's not like a, it doesn't uh, make you feel very hopeful about things. And so if that's not the kind of thing that you want to consume right now, then maybe wait on it. Um, but I do think it's kind of like a spooky, I guess spooky is the wrong word for it, but like tense, southern, yeah. um, it definitely fits into like a gothic theme. So if that's something that you want to consume, especially around Halloween, I would say go for it. Uh, I think the performances are really good. And so it's worth watching.
0: Yeah, I think I I would agree with that. I mean, I, I am someone who's pretty picky, uh, mm-hmm. like you're saying but if, if you are like me and you watched the trailer and you had expectations for this sprawling epic, um mm-hmm. which I don't think is unrealistic expectations to be fair. No, not it, from the trailer. Yeah. From the trailer, the way Netflix has talked about this, to be honest, this seemed like an Oscar contender, the way they've kind of talked yeah, about it. I think it.
1: that's how they've been trying to go about it.
0: But it's not. So I think if you come in with tempered expectations and understanding what you're getting into.
1: Yeah, you'll Mm -hmm. enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Uh, David, would you recommend people read this book?
0: It's kind of very similar to the movie. You really have to be prepared for this type of story. Um, If you're like me and one of your favorite authors is Cormac McCarthy, he's going to borrow a lot of themes and a lot of style from him and you will probably enjoy it if you're prepared for that. If yeah. you read Princess Bride last week and you were like, I <laughs> love the Princess Bride. I love how light and fluffy it is. This is not that. This is not that at all.
1: It is nowhere close to being that, yeah.
0: So uh, our
1: recommendation is kind of a little split here Mixed. then. It's it's take a, take a look inside and see what you're ready for. I don't know that I would recommend this book. I think the prose is fun, but... Nah, I don't like I don't like books where everyone's just terrible all the time. And I should have known that that's what it's going to be because it's called the devil all the time. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of on the cover there.
1: It's kind of right there on the cover. So just know what you're getting into. <laughs>
0: yeah, this one is the one most dependent on your taste.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. Well, now that we're done talking in our non-spoilers, let's get into the spoiler section.
1: You know, I started something. It's called the delusion. A belief that is untrue. It is our
0: delusions that lead us to sin. <laughs> delusions! All right, let's talk about spoilers. Amanda, what are your favorite parts of the devil all the time? Is it—is it all the dark parts?
1: It's a- <laughs> You mean every scene? Is it, uh, ever, is <laughs> is it that one dark part? <laughs> that one dark scene or the other one or the other one where a bunch of people were dying horrible deaths? Yes. Any of those. Yes. Uh, I would have to say the performances are probably my favorite. I think there are some
0: good moments.
1: They are. I mean, it's it's like an all star cast just acting the crap out of these pretty serious roles um, and I like everybody in it. I think it's really the cast is doing work in this, uh, and I think Tom Holland in particular was really like it. It like I said earlier, like it made it easier for me to root for his character because Tom Holland was doing such a good job. It was so easy to empathize with his character. Where in the book it was like you were definitely empathetic towards the character, but you were kind of hit with like so so many bad things that people were saying and doing and thinking that it felt a little suffocating it felt like hard to be like all right arvin he's the guy i'm rooting for um but in the movie i didn't have that problem i was rooting for tom holland's character from the first time he was on screen
0: yeah arvin as a character i think is is tough to play And I think Mm -hmm. Tom did a great job. Uh, Tom, your old buddy Tom. Listen, him and I are on first name basis. All of these (laughs) these characters, first name basis. Gotcha. Um, (laughs) There is a scene with him and Robert Pattinson that's sort of the climax of the movie. It's really good. They are acting so well in those scenes. Uh, Robert Pattinson is just hamming it up. You can uh, feel the anger that... uh, Tom Holland's just, like, holding back in that scene when he's having Mm -hmm. that initial... It is probably one of my favorite scenes this year that I've seen in a movie. Um, Mm -hmm. And that alone, like, made me want to keep watching it.
1: Yeah. Like I said, if if the entire movie was just their two characters being pitted against each other, I think I would have enjoyed the story a little bit more because there would have been, like, some really good tension... Like, those were easily the best parts of the movie for me.
0: I agree. Uh, A couple more favorite parts. Uh, There is a scene early on. I think all all the characters that got to play Pastors did a fantastic job, apparently. (laughs) Uh, Because, uh, what's his face? Dudley from Harry Potter. What's his his name? it uh,
1: It was crazy recognizing him. Harry... Harry Melling.
0: Okay, it is... Harry Melling. He plays a character named Roy. Yeah, initially I saw him and I was like, I know him. And then I looked it Mm -hmm. up. I'm like, it's Dudley. How did that happen? Mm -hmm. Uh, He has a speech early on in the movie that is also amazing. And again, this is when the movie really takes its time. I would say that this scene and that scene in the end uh, at the climax is when the movie... Chooses to slow down, and they just let the performance go. There's not a lot of cuts. It's just mm-hmm. a very slow scene, particularly that first scene uh, with Harry Melling's speech. They have this like wonderful his, shot. Like,
1: his sermon in when he first gets in, like in the church.
0: Yes, his initial sermon. Uh-huh. There is a shot that takes you like. Uh, it starts on him. It moves back. And then it circles the church. And then it comes mm-hmm. back to him. It is a wonderful shot. Uh, and then it
1: ends with him pouring live spiders all over his head. Nasty.
0: And I'm going to be honest. Not great looking CGI spiders. <laughs> uh,
1: apparently they were real spiders. Were they real spiders? Too. Uh-huh.
0: Oh, that's super gross. They definitely added it's, some CG ones in there. May, I, I think that I have to add that one in. I have to look at that again. That's super
1: gross. Yeah. Isn't that super gross? Yeah, he poured live spiders all over himself. <laughs>
0: that's That's awful. Okay, well, hats off to him. Hats off to him. (laughs) Uh, Other big name actors in this film, just in case you missed them, Bill Skarsgård. That's how you Mm -hmm. know it's going to be a great film when Bill Skarsgård is in it. Like we said before, Robert Pattinson, uh, David Atkinson, uh, Kristen Griffith, uh, Haley Bennett. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of- Eliza Scanlon. Eliza Scanlon. This movie is like shock. Full of peace people. Uh, Jason Clark, yep. that's another big name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome performances. Big cast. Again, if the movie would have just slowed down and kind of let the performances breathe a little bit more around those scenes, I think uh, the movie would have know, saved dude. itself. Dude, it's a for pretty
1: slow paced movie. I don't think it would. I think it's as slow as it could
0: kind of go. It's just weird because it felt crowded still, like in the opposite. Yeah way of the book the movie felt like there were just too many things going on
1: I will say the one time I did feel that way was actually with um, Sebastian Stan's character the deputy deputy yeah. Lee Bodecker um, there's an entire side story with him being like a dirty cop essentially mm-hmm. um, who's running for office and he is the brother of the husband and wife duo that Uh, basically kill hitchhikers Mm -hmm. Um, and his whole like it just (laughs) it felt like it was so disconnected Uh, and then he's the guy at the very end that Arvin has to kill to essentially escape Mm -hmm. and so it's like by the time he kills Robert Pattinson's character you like that's where all the tension is and so you don't really care about what happens (laughs) <laughs> Who else he kills?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's very true. He his character in general was probably one of the bigger changes they made to for the movie. Uh mm-hmm. in the book, I would describe him as much more cowardly um, yeah. than his he's portrayal. An, he's an in outright movie. creep in the
1: movie.
0: Yeah, in the movie, he's a pretty big creep. He is also much more uh Desperate than he is in the book because in the yeah. book he is seen as much more of like a lackey to this uh crime boss, where mm-hmm. in the movie it seems like he's much more desperate for like re election and a power grab. So it's, yeah. it's a slight change to his character, um, uh, that did make him, I think, a little bit more menacing, which which is kind of needed yeah. when you get to that final showdown so. at the end,
1: yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, one more favorite part I'm just going to mention, I think the th- reason why I got hooked into this book is because they have a prologue at the start that mm-hmm. I think is just really good. It kind of hooked me. I think I can tell his first set of stories were short stories because it hooked yeah. me in like a short story would. Like if they just made the prologue a short story... I would think it's fantastic. What was the
1: prologue again?
0: It's the scene when uh, Willard is taking Arvin out uh, to the prayer log, and they first introduce Mm. it, and those hunters Mm -hmm. are talking about his wife, and then he uh, doesn't beat them up but goes later to beat them up and basically pummels them. Uh, And it is seen as like this foundational character moment for Arvin, that I think just that's the scene that sort of hooked me into the story.
1: Yeah, I get that. I would say one of my favorite scenes is the mirrored version of that scene, which is when Arvin is older and he's defending his cousin, Lenora from a bunch of bullies. Mm -hmm. Um, And he hunts them down one by one, essentially. And it was like the one part, the one super engaging part of the, of the movie Uh, Where I was like hardcore rooting for Arvin, even though he was pretty brutally attacking these boys. (laughs) Oh, man. He just like goes at it, especially when he
0: just put at one point he just puts a bag over a dude's head and starts wailing on him. It's like, yeah, it's pretty intense. He holds no punches. It is like an intense look. It's Spider-Man, but without the costume. (laughs) Super intense Spider-Man. Yeah, it's Spider-Man
1: morphed into Batman.
0: Oh, yeah, that's definitely it.
1: Uh, but yeah, I would say I was kind of surprised at how few things they changed. They really just cut out extra story and tried to like string things together a little bit more tightly, which I think is needed for, for boiling this down to just a movie.
0: Yeah. One change that I did appreciate for the movie is a little bit more of a tie up of, um, Theodore and Carl's characters. Uh, I didn't really like him that much in the book to begin with it was kind of a weird storyline of this this pastor killing his wife uh because he thinks god can bring her back to life or he he's been given the powers to do so so he kills her realizes what he's done and then there's this weird scene where he just lives in florida with his buddy for a little bit and they do like a circus yeah and
1: yeah it's pretty random didn't really feel
0: like it added much to the story especially since his character just dies in the end so i was cool when they sh- they sort of cut it pretty quickly and had him die earlier
1: yeah and it was nice that they like tied his death into because that's lenora's dad
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and then he 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 dies And Well, he's murdered, and the couple who murdered him takes pictures (laughs) when they murder people. Um, And so it was that photograph that kind of condemned them and lets Arvin escape at the end. So it was nice that they, like, in the movie, it's nice that they kind of tied that in just like a little bit tighter.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, We haven't really talked about these two serial killer characters uh, it is probably the darkest part of the entire story. Um, what did you think of them? I'm kind of curious on your thoughts.
1: Um, yeah, I think, uh, like I said, it, I would have rather, it, it's a little bit of a preference of mine, but I would have rather just zeroed in on like a couple of characters instead of being spread out among so many of them. They were fine, um, I think they're a little bit more interesting in the movie than they are in the book um because it seems like they're more at odds with each other in the movie than they are in the book in the book they're pretty much just like on the same team ready to murder and have sex with a lot of people yeah pretty much <laughs> um so their parts were kind of the hardest part because they were straight up like serial killers um yeah so their part their parts of the story were like, the harder ones to get through, because it was pretty graphic, those parts, and
0: it's really hard characters to adapt, especially since uh, I, I think one thing that I noticed in the movie and it's a slight change they make is how not terrifying the serial killers are.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're kind of le- less terrifying. they're yeah.
0: more bumbling than they are in the book, I feel like. um and I think a lot of that. Uh, is just Jason Clark's performance of Carl is like he's just like a dirty weird dude, which I may- yeah. maybe <laughs> is more true to life because man, he just plays him like this dirty weird guy who isn't particularly terrifying. He's just more so like like pathetic more than anything else.
1: Right? Yeah. So they were like, Meh. They were Meh for me.
0: Yeah. Uh, any other? changes you want to talk about?
1: No, not necessarily. Uh, what do you think of the ending? It's
0: okay. <laughs> I really don't have more <laughs> thoughts to. And this is for both the book and movie. Uh, I don't know if there's a better way to really wrap up this story. So, it, I don't necessarily dislike it. Uh, I think it's just by the end of the story, you're kind of exhausted. And so I think he ends it in a way that ties up all the knots and nothing more. Um, so I just think I think it's OK, but it didn't really necessarily leave a lasting impression on me.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think there is a huge sense of relief as soon as Arvin finally kills the sheriff and gets away. Um and maybe that's part of the point that like he's finally escaping and so you also as the reader feel a sense of relief uh but at the same time I don't know yeah it's it's like fine um it feels a little bit like a bunch of short stories put together into a novel with kind of like this through line of Arvin which is fine but it it ultimately takes away some of the satisfaction you get from just staying Mm -hmm. with Arvin and his point of view from beginning to end. And so you don't really like, like halfway through the story, I was like, who is the story? Who am I supposed to be rooting for here? (laughs) Like who is the protagonist of the story when I was reading it? In the movie, it's a little bit more obvious that it's it's definitely going to be Arvin. Um, And so it's a little bit easier to root with him and stay with him. But then like, like we've talked about like him killing the sheriff isn't, really the climax to his story it was killing the preacher earlier so you kind of have like this weird third act where it doesn't like the stakes aren't quite there anymore you know what i mean
0: yeah and i would actually argue that in the book i don't like arvin is Loosely, the m- main protagonist—they really yeah. don't spend much time with him. I would no, argue that the main protagonist in the book is actually the town. I think it's knock em stiff. Uh, uh, yeah, because everything it 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 sort of follows the characters, but in the end, it mostly focuses on like these select stories in this town that goes over the course of thirty years, and so. I mean, the book is it's much more looser, but I would argue that Arvin's not even it centers around his story. But I wouldn't necessarily say he's as much of a protagonist as he is in the film. In the film, it's very much it's Mr. Tom. That's what we're that that's who we're rooting for Mm -hmm. here is Mr. Tom. I wasn't necessarily rooting for Arvin all the time.
1: Right. No, not at all. And I don't I don't think like a protagonist is someone that you have to root for. Typically they're that's like true. the person who enacts the driving force of change throughout the story. And I would say, you know, Arvin is probably that for the most part. Um, like he essentially like gets rid of, he he's like cutting out like these rotten parts of his town and then mm-hmm. he's leaving. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily a satisfying like his character doesn't necessarily change, right? Mm-hmm. Um besides be not becoming I guess he becomes like a different like because his dad was clearly had issues um some like post traumatic stuff from being in the war and becomes a murderer to like solve his issues. and Arvin follows the same path, but he comes out as a different character um you know he doesn't there's no indication at the end I was kind of expecting it but there's no indication at the end that he's going to go on and like enjoy killing or keep killing like he never kills for himself necessarily each time he kills somebody it's uh essentially to save himself or save other people right um so it's kind of like all, this entire story is a series of different murderers. <laughs> yeah, and essentially. Lo- lo- and looking at like which one can survive that. And I guess in a way it's hopeful that like this person who isn't murdering for the joy of murdering gets to live at the end. Mm-hmm. I don't know, dude. That's so depressing still.
0: It's still so depressing. We're just coming back to that. Well, let, let's talk about some non-depressing things. How about that?
1: Okay, sure. Can you All think right. of some non-depressing things?
0: Nitpicks? Are nitpicks
1: depressing? <laughs> yeah, let's nitpick this thing. All right, give me a nitpick, Amanda. Okay, one of my biggest nitpicks is that they have the a roll credits moment, like not like three minutes into this movie. Like... Almost
0: immediately. <laughs> if someone doesn't <laughs> like, know what the roll credits moment is, it's when they say the name of the or the title of the movie
1: in as the movie. A, in the movie or as title, yeah. something.
0: Yeah. They say yeah. it within two pages of the book and yeah. 30 seconds of the yeah. movie.
1: <laughs> Both times it threw me out. I was like, oh, you guys are doing this already. All right. <laughs> People should just stop doing that.
0: They should just stop <laughs> doing that.
1: It does throw me every single time. Where I'm like, hey, that's the na- that's the title of this that's
0: movie. The- and the problem is, is like that piece of like uh, writing and dialogue. I don't think it's dialogue. I think it's narration. In the it's movie. narration. It's, yeah, it's like a cool line, but it's completely it's cool undermined by you being like, oh, that's the, ti- well, uh, he the <laughs> title. He said the title. He said the title.
1: Yeah. What about you? Do you have another nitpick? Besides the narration, can you think of one
0: besides the narration? I mean, besides the narration, I, I'm still going back and forth on whether or not I like Robert Panson's accent. I'll be honest. Uh because at like times, it's <sighs> mm-hmm. I think it's really good. Like in that yes, scene at the end, like the climax of the movie, he's cowardly. You can hear mm-hmm. his like voice breaking a little bit because it's very high pitched. Like, mm-hmm. a high pitched southern accent isn't. A very popular accent that you see in media, I would say. Yeah. It, yeah. Usually, when you hear a southern accent, it's a lot lower and slowed down. His mm-hmm. is very high, and like sometimes I thought it was genius, and other times I thought he sounded like a freaking cartoon character. It was. Yeah. It's it's it threw me off constantly.
1: And maybe that's like the problem with it. It's that like. Like, by the end of, like, his character, I stopped noticing it as much. And I don't know if it's just because it was getting better. <laughs> but, like, when, yeah, when he first does it, it throws you out of the movie because you're like, oh, this is an actor's choice. Like, it's, like, in bold think, in front of your face. You I know think what I that's mean? why
0: it bothered me is because you yeah. you hear it and you're like, oh, this man is acting. <laughs> <laughs> you just
1: like okay. It definitely is. Yeah. This is
0: what this is what you're doing with this. Okay, yeah, let's see yeah. how it turns out.
1: <laughs> These are the choices you've made. Okay. <laughs> it's like
0: <laughs> that's. A th- I don't think this accent exists in real life. I think it's just like an actor's southern accent.
1: Hmm. I don't know. I feel like it does, but I feel like he was trying to do like a drawl, but it wasn't. It really bothers me that he didn't work with anybody on his accent. You know what I mean? That he's just like, I'm going to do this. How smug! Like, <laughs> it I'm just sorry.
0: Makes me think he's a dick. <laughs> Robert, I love a lot of your performances lately. You have you have shed your Twilight imagery off of my perception of you however Mm -hmm. come on man just like work (laughs) with other people sometimes like yeah um, no one's (laughs) what does (laughs) surprising the cast with your accent add to the movie like come
1: on yeah yeah um okay i have one more it's kind of it's kind of a dumb one but it threw me out for a second um so at the very end of this movie Arvin kills the sheriff, he runs away, he hitchhikes again because it worked out so well for him last time, and he gets in someone's car and he starts falling asleep because he's exhausted, just like Mm -hmm. we are, that he's had to kill all these horrible people. And on the radio is an announcement. It's something they added for the movie. I don't remember if this was in the book. Um, But there's an announcement that the U.S. has decided to go uh, like, enter the war in Vietnam.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And at the end I was like, is this movie about Vietnam? <laughs> is, this, this movie was some, is this a social commentary that I just went completely over my head? <laughs> like, it literally, it felt like such a, like, finger pointing at, did you know that this movie was about this? And I'm like, was it? Wait, wait. Do I have to, like, re-examine everything? Was it, Amanda?
0: Am I, am I, d- I, I missing something? I still don't
1: know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it was. But the fact that this in the, this movie decided to mess with me at the very end.
0: <laughs> maybe it was and we were just missing it the entire
1: time. Maybe it was. That's how I felt. I was like, is this movie really secretly about Vietnam and how pointless it is to maybe kill people in Vietnam?
0: Just, maybe we missed the entire point of this movie. I think, I think you're right. Yeah, I that's think what we get for being millennials
1: and reading an old man's book
0: I although on the other hand the narration told me what this movie was about so i don't think i have true. much to the imagination
1: true can
0: i give you one more narration do, nitpick
1: do you think do you think it would have been better if he came in at the end and be like and that's this entire story was a parable about why we never should have gotten involved in vietnam <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would have been Excellent. That would have been, or it like zooms out. Okay, it zooms out. He's reading the book to his kid, uh, yeah. uh, who just who who like was just his, like twelve year old kid. Yeah, his twelve year old kid yeah. who just like mm-hmm. asked him like some random question, and he just like mm-hmm. went on this this long long narration about <laughs> this story, and the kid was just like, "I just I, I just asked how your day was going, Dad." <laughs>
1: Have you been thinking about this for a long time? Dad, are you okay? okay?
0: (laughs) Dad, what's? It feels like sometimes you just have are struggling with the devil all the time, and then (laughs) credits roll again.
1: Yeah, okay. I'd be on that. I'm bored for that. (laughs) Yeah. Who's the kid in Princess Bride again?
0: Um, Fred Savage. Yeah, we we need to get Fred Savage on this ASAP.
1: But it's not Fred. It's Fred Savage as the narrator. No, no, he's the kid. Who's, no, 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 uh, no! He's the he's the narrator. He's adult Fred Savage, and he's telling his kid. And Princess Bride is in the background, and we're like, "Hey, that's a reference." I don't know. That might be too meta for us. <laughs> it might. We might be going down too many holes. Yeah. All right. What's yeah. your last nitpick?
0: I think that's it for nitpicks.
1: Oh, I thought you had one more narration nitpick.
0: Oh, one more narration nitpick. Okay, I might cut this, but okay, I this drove me absolutely crazy at the start of the film. Um or, or a little bit into it, they it cuts to like this diner scene where uh Bill Skarsgard is coming in and sees uh Haley Bennett uh yeah. you know working the line, waitressing. whatever, waitressing mm-hmm. doing stuff. Um and so it introduces those two characters, which makes sense, and they just have like a natural back and forth, which is very nice. And then it cuts to what is the? What are the future uh, killers? With yeah, the uh, meet, they're meat cute. Yeah, Carl and Sandy. Mm-hmm. Okay, they meet up too. Very. I thought it was. You know, at first I was like, this is an efficient way to introduce both characters. I think the mm-hmm. moment I realized the narration was going to be a problem was when the narration told a future event. Okay, it actually does this twice. Okay, I'm definitely going to cut this part because now I'm going to go on a long rant. The narration tells us what what is going to happen in the future twice and then shows us it anyway, which made me question why it told me in the first place. It it says, "Uh, like, in the future, little did they know they would become killers and when they would hunt people that they would refer to as models. You know, they just outright say I it, which was like, weird.
1: I liked that narration, actually. I disagree. I like the part where they were having like an innocuous meet and um, the narration comes in and he's like, you know, uh, later like they would refer to blah, blah, blah as the blah, blah, blah and whatever. They were talking about their victims this way uh, where it was like she would be called like the bait or something like that. Um, I don't know. I thought that was like an interesting way of layering their their meeting. With meaning.
0: Could, can I pitch it to you and why it would be better if they didn't include
1: it? Uh, sure. What would, what would you do instead? Okay.
0: I would just have them meet and have them mm-hmm. l- seem like a second pair of couples we would be following. Okay? Mm-hmm. Like just kind of introduce them, make it seem like they have some chemistry together, whatever. So then in the scene, when they... Hitchhike and grab Roy, who is, uh you know, trying to escape back to Lenora, and they mm-hmm. pick them up and they're going back that way. You don't know he's going to be killed. So that when they have that picture scene, it's more creepy. It's more unsettling because you thought these characters yeah. were one way and now they're the other. Okay.
1: Yeah. So you want him to lean a little bit more into the horror genre than to just sit in the gothic genre?
0: I want them to lean into um, surprising the audience because when he gets killed, it's not surprising because they tell you earlier (sighs) they kidnap and kill people.
1: I don't know. I think the issues that you're taking with it is actually like staples of the genre. I think you have more of an issue with the genre than you do like – how the movie was made. Does is that making Telling
0: sense? the audience what is going to happen? Yeah. As a Gothic genre staple?
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay, you don't have to be a jerk about well, it. Well, it's just, they did it twice. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I know they did. But I'm just saying, like, heavy narration, uh, like sprawling narration, is part of the Southern Gothic genre. So I'll defend it. I'll defend it just a little bit. I understand if it didn't work for you, though. I.
0: I don't think it works, but I understand why it's in there. How about that? (laughs) Yeah, that's fine.
1: Uh, It didn't bother me being
0: in there. I think the reason why, in the end, this movie just bugs me so much is because I see the good movie within the bad movie. And I think it would take just, like, very small changes. Like, you wouldn't even have to do a ton of new shots. It's literally mm-hmm. like changing some of the editing, reviewing or uh, removing some of the narration, and you just have mm-hmm. a completely different feeling movie. And I think that's what why I'm I'm coming down so hard on this is because I see the good movie in the bad movie.
1: I kind of get it. I think it's some stylistic choices that maybe push it a little bit too much, but it didn't bother me as much.
0: Fair enough. I I mean I yeah. can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah.
1: It just didn't yeah, it didn't make me as angry as it makes you.
0: <laughs> I you know what, guys? I have no idea why this is the one that broke me. I don't know why <laughs> it's this it. one that made me mad, but it is.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, I guess that'll wrap us up for today. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe so you can get automatically updated when new episodes come out at wherever you get your podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you enjoyed anything we talked about in the last hour or so, please leave us a review and tell your friends. Uh, if you do, we'll make David read it in a hilarious voice. In uh, maybe some southern drawls. Maybe we'll give uh, some Robert and drawls another try.
0: Uh, you can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at AdaptedPod on all those platforms. You can also send us suggestions on what we should talk about next by shooting us an email to stuff at AdaptedPod. Uh, special thanks to Catloaf for our intro and outro music. You are listening to the track Astoria de Mars, which is just a good palate cleanser after watching or reading the story. So, absolutely, definitely use it as a way to just wash that bummer away.
1: Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um. So, David, do you know what we're doing next? Uh, I believe it's you
0: picked uh, practical magic, so that I surely did. <laughs> that's getting us into our uh, Halloween months. So yeah, I, I think actually Halloween times. this is releasing on the uh, October first of october so now we're gonna get into o- some th-
1: october 1st of the octobers <laughs> did i really say that Oof. yes you did my because you did my man
0: <laughs> okay we gotta end this podcast asap <laughs> all right
1: all right then tune in next time to hear all about how we rate that adaptation until then little did they know that they were going to Review the greatest adaptation of all time.
0: Is that is that Pollock Next time. narrating our, the end of our podcast? <laughs> yeah, that's him
1: narrating the end of our podcast.
0: Uh, until then, David thought in his head. He, he, <laughs> he scrapped the bottom of the barrel for some sort of good bit as an outro. But, but none came to his mind. So he sat there, dumbfounded in, in sadness and despair, searching Searching for that bit.
1: Until then, Amanda thought, and then she thought longer. She thought if she paused, maybe David would fill the silence and she wouldn't have to come up with another (laughs) bit for herself. And then she realized, hmm, I'm kind of sleepy. And we've been sitting here for a long time. Maybe we should end this bit now and just go on with our day. (laughs) Okay, that got me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, decent bit, decent bit. (laughs)